it's up and about. Yeah, just wanted to keep it up there. All right, welcome to another episode. This is the podcast, The Soapy Rao Show. And I'm very glad that you are available to access this recording and listen to it in the year of our Lord or 2022. I love doing this here. Yeah, big landmark uh, happening in the world. I mean, first of all, a lot, lot, of land, lot of landmarks, right? The year of the Tonga volcano. Yes, this is like GK, GK week. Uh, general knowledge. I don't know if you, if you didn't grow up in India, I don't know, you might have, have had your own version of GK. Uh, but GK was a big thing. It gave you a lot of cred in the corridors of schools. General knowledge questions, GK. And we had books, GK books, GK quizzes. <laughs> Anyhow. Year of uh, the pretty horrific man. What happened to the people there? But if you live like an inch of, uh, and who am I to make geological sweeping statements? But yeah, pretty fucking shattering earth um, phenomena with the volcano being heard. Imagine like if you're sitting and you're like, "What's the noise?" And someone's like, "Yeah, you know, it it, it happened like in Baipanahalli. If you're <laughs> or if it happened in another neighbor, but like someone sitting in Alaska, like, "What's the noise?" It's like fucking Tonga. Yeah. Loud. Anyway, on this podcast, it's I think episode one fifty. So, hey, all right. I don't have fake noise or fake applause, but whatever. Why do we celebrate these big things like uh, the Queen? Hey, Queenie, hello. I just uh, finished seventy five years of her reign. Yeah, it's raining queens. She's. You know, people complain about the royal family they go we need to be done with the royal family the british are like we need to be done and then when something happens they all line up and watch them get married or take off their top whatever the royal family does or prince andrew dips his stick in young girls but he's like no no i didn't do such thing it was just that i was trying something out in the royal coat you say i don't think they speak like that anymore they're like piss off wanker i didn't fuck any young one i don't know man i don't even know uh, that um she had been 75 years i think platinum whatever jubilee uh, that she's celebrating you know i give it to you and uh, queenie um, i'm talking to you it's amazing that she has held one job for so long it's pretty hard i mean everyone talks about the perks right oh, i live in buckingham palace oh, I go to the suburb palace in edinburgh ah, oh. but dude there's a lot of protocol which is kind of dull and old and um she has to follow that. Of course, yeah, you have your royal servants, you have the land and all those things. But think about it. We celebrate, like, I mean, imagine if you're, a company, you're in a company for like, say, 10 years, they give you an award, like a plaque, and you're like, oh, cool, served his entire life. And then you get to retire at some point, right? But queen is for life till death. Or if, until someone else comes, at least in the earlier days, comes and conquers and beheads you or does whatever with you and puts you in the cell in the highest tower and you're forgotten in living memory. And no one's like, well, what happened to that person? Like, no one ever spoke. Like, no, once a new king or a new queen came, that's it. You don't talk about the old bastard because, hey, you might get chopped off. But this particular queen, hey, she made a statement. Now my daughter-in-law, hey, don't say anything about her looks. I don't know what she looks like either. Um... Uh, not the one, not 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 the not the hot one. The other one, um, she will be queen, consort. I like those words. Sometimes I'm just like, oh, it just sounds cool. I don't even know what the fuck it means. She's, she will be queen consort when my son where takes the, the where, 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 steps, uh, whatever, does something to the throne. 
uh, steps to the throne. <laughs> Queen, King Charles. Fuck, he must have been waiting. He's like, fucking A. Imagine it's like that job, you're waiting for that position to get vacant and it just doesn't because the person who's holding the job man it's your mom or your mum it's your mummy but she's fucking not leaving uh because yeah you eventually every job has a retirement age i mean of course you know i know authoritarian leaders also don't really let go and they usually just sort of as i said revolution something but this lady 75 years i mean i'm sure at some point she's like can i just fucking pass it on to someone I don't know if she ever thought crossed her beautiful queenie head. Because, man, it's a long time to have one job. 75 years and it's a bit dull. The same thing. Tea parties. Uh, hello, hello. People are here to meet you. Your Highness. HRH. I love that. Her Royal Highness. And you have all these formalities to observe. And then you have all these places. You can't just, I don't know, like let your hair down and just, you know, put on some pajamas or put on whatever queens wear when they want to chill out. And just be like, hey! I'm fucking done, mate. Uh, whatever the queen, like, who? That's a relief. I know she, she. I don't think she'll ever go to the extreme of like, ooh, legend, let's rage or anything like that. Yeah, oh, she's after all, I think ninety-five plus. But it's pretty amazing that she's just doing it. Commitment is quite impressive. I know it comes with perks, but I think I salute you. Yeah, is it her royal highness or your royal highness? But when you, when you meet her, do you say her royal highness, your queen, or your royal highness, her majesty? I don't know. Very difficult. I'd love to meet her and ask all these questions. If she'd like to come on the Soapy Rao show, if any of you know her, please do ask her. I'd like to ask uh, very, very poignant, I like that word, poignant questions about how her reign has been for 75 years. She's come experience a lot. And then, um, yeah, I think, I think just to keep it f- fair for her or for any, you know, uh, following monarch, I think it's good to have a cut off like 60, 65. It's good, man. They need to chill as well. How long will they keep sitting there and doing all this? I'd like them to have a retirement home, a retirement palace where they chill. They have things that they couldn't do when they were formally instated as the monarch, right? I don't know. Maybe have like a little pond where they can paddle around. Maybe just a wardrobe full of clothes, which are stuff they'd like to have worn, but they weren't allowed to because it doesn't... It's not fitting, Your Majesty. It's not fitting of a queen. I want to wear a gunny bag and run around in it and call myself Spanky. Ah, but you cannot do that as queen. But I want a retirement palace where I will do such things and I will enjoy myself. I will play with ducks. I will I will also do things with um, with various other artifacts. I don't think she'll ever chill chill, but she can chill. And I think she deserves that time off. And that way the sun will be like, what? Eh, I'm, I'm king, but I'm 64. That's one year. <laughs> They're all just fucking getting old. But uh, anyway, I don't know. Maybe this is something you can pitch to the Royal Palace Committee or the Royal Chamberlain or whoever controls royal affairs. Uh, I don't know. This is something I thought I had because I, I'm 150th episode. She's 75 years. I've outdone her reign by 75 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> Even though this is a weekly podcast. <laughs> imagine, imagine, right? She's suddenly sitting there, she's like, oh, queen, 74 years, 73, 72, 71, I'm 70, going on 71, 70, 70, 72, and in walks fucking Megan, and they're like, there's this lady, your highness, your royal highness, and she will be joining the family. Ooh, who's this? Uh, what? Uh, okay, she's from the suits. Uh, you mean she's from what people wear, what men wear to official gatherings? No, no, it's a show called Suits. 
about lawyers or something to do with that. It's on Netflix. What the fuck is Netflix? I don't think she ever said. What? 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 What in heaven's name is Netflix? Netflix sounds like something that you would go to catch butterflies with in the in the backyard at Westminster. You know, just outside the Abbey, uh, or, or I don't know which of the other palaces I own, uh, which have a lot of lovely gardens. I've never been, you know, because I'm kind of speaking as myself through a man sitting in India doing this podcast. So his knowledge is limited into my realm, but uh, he will pretend that he knows a lot more than he does about my life, about my reign, about my properties, about the palaces, about the gardens, about the parties, about the tea parties, about, about, about the ceremonies about the banquets, and about all the other things that I get to cherish and enjoy as Queen Regent. Yes, that's right, Queen Consort and Queen Lizzie. Hey, yes. And what, what about this girl, Megan? Uh, she will be denouncing the throne and uh, the title. Is it denouncing or she'll be relinqu... I don't know these words. I should know more before I start talking about shit that I'm unaware of. Anyway, um, so she's basically marrying your grandson and then she's going to say that the royal family's racist. Of course we are. Right? And uh, they're going to say things that the royal family's bad. Hey, we're not bad. We're just royal. And they're going to do shit and they're going to say, like, we no longer want the title of royalty. Well, good. Fuck them. <laughs> I wish you just said it, right? <laughs> One day when she made a public address. I'm here as your monarch. And all this news of Meghan and Harry's thing about leaving our family and dissing the royalty. I like one thing to say to them. Fuck him. <laughs> that would be so good. I I would I don't know what I would do. I would just be like, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> Especially you fucking Harry, you little uh, why is my phone ringing? I put it on do not disturb. Silly phone. Anyhow, uh, I really put it on do not disturb. Is it not working? I don't know. Clearly, it's the queen calling. Yeah, can you stop more? Can you stop doing more? But it's not live yet. Hey. Um, but yeah. Man, Harry out of all of them, just fucking push over. Uh, yeah. A lot of stuff happening. That was my little thing for the queen. I salute you, um, your royal, her royal highness, Queen Elizabeth II. I think she's the second, yeah. So, yeah, that's my take on whatever, my take on. I got distracted, sorry. It was just that, yeah, so she finished 75 years and I feel she needs a respite. And just a, just a year or two to chill. Prince uh, King, King Charles can step in and do whatever he has to do. Sell some titles to some Saudis or to some Russians. Yes, I will be county of Vladimir the, the Dracula the first. Just anything. Um, yes, hello. You cannot forget me. I am a Saudi person named Salam. You can call me Duke Salam. I always wanted to, to be a duke. <laughs> that, asked, uh, that accent went all over the place from borderline of Siberia to, to extreme uh, Italian. <laughs> Something fucking happened there. I apologize. But anyhow, I'm going to leave you to the conversation coming up, which is with a very dear friend of mine, Mr. Sanjay Manakthala, who, uh, along with me, or I along with him, um, started performing and doing comedy shows in a city, Bangalore, in 2009 and 10, when there were no comedy shows happening frequently. There were the odd shows where people would just take sets of George Carlin and perform it and say, I am comedian. But no, uh, we started doing some shows, open mics, and um, yeah, so we've been uh, friends ever since and colleagues ever since, and I think we still remain friends because, um, you know, and of course colleagues, whatever you want to call us, but 
It's been a while since I caught up with him, but I thought this is a good opportunity to get him on the podcast and find out what's going on in his life, what he's been up to, how uh, the move back to the U.S. because he moved to back to L.A., which was his home. Now it's Memphis, Tennessee. Um, what he's up to and how he's um, got through the pandemic, the lockdown, and what his plans are. And generally, just we catch up and talk about stuff that we talk about. Com- we talk about stand-up comedy, where it is. We talk about um, things that we've gotten up to, books we've read, things we've learned about ourselves, things we've learned from others, from mistakes we've made, from the mistakes others have made. Hey, overall, there's... Good, fun, great conversation. And there's maybe some, you know, nuggets of information that might help you and some learning that might benefit your life as well. Who knows? The possibilities are endless. So, as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh, Do share it with anyone you think might like what you have listened to. And, of course, if they like the Queen, do share it with them. And, um, yeah, do whatever you got to do to make sure that you get updates when i do post a new episode all right thank you goodbye god bless god save the queen till next time cheers catch you on the other side all the way from memphis tennessee sanjay manakthala what's happening brother (laughs) what's up dude long time i know it's so good um to um, get you on the podcast because otherwise it was always uh, sitting across your dining table and uh, trying to sound intellectual. Remember? (laughs) What is that podcast called? The Blurred Lines Podcast. Uh, The Blurred Lines. (laughs) The amount of podcasts you and I have done that have gone Attempted to do. Let's let's, let's be specific. Oh, my God. And you would uh, have your Zoom recorder, two mics, and then you're like, man, it's not going anywhere. (laughs) Maybe it's the title of the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, our podcast did so well. I moved to the South in America. I, I love, dude. I love the fact that I have a friend now who lives in Tennessee, dude. It's just amazing because you always hear about like you know who's in Tennessee and it's someone like Bubba, you know. And, and I was like, <laughs> and, and I was like, hey guys, I'm the IT guy here. What's going on? <laughs> I hope you're not doing Get that shit here, there, boy. dude. Yeah, boy, <laughs> we don't like that kind around here. But I like the fact that when you join this, the Zoom call, it's like Jay has joined the meeting. I'm like, who the fuck is Jay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so no, because I'm in all these other chat rooms for like stock trading and stuff. So yeah, I go by I'm glad Jay, you but was specific about other chat yeah. rooms. Yeah, yeah. It's so <laughs> funny. I was talking. Is, I mean, because we're in Tennessee, I called this like computer repair guy because my mm-hmm. monitor broke, and I was like, "Yeah, it's out of warranty. How do I get it fixed?" And he's like, "He's like, okay, they gonna make you call the Philippines, but you don't want to do that. You want to <laughs> talk to Alabama." <laughs> He's like, you don't want to talk to them in the Philippines. And I wanted to be like, well, why not? <laughs> but he's like, no, they're going to push really hard. You want to talk to an American Alabama. So oh, you should tell like, him, right. I've been to the Philippines, bitch. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Man, that trip was so good. Yeah, when you and I went to the Philippines for comedy. Yeah, yeah. I remember they, and it was weird because there was another apparently popular American comic, Al Lubel, I think, right? And uh, Iman Hachidi and me who needed assistance. And it was really weird because I think he had a, stiff leg or whatever the ter- term is and Iman of course is a uh, short person I mean a little person a midget whatever the term is and it's me on the because when <laughs> I like how you went from like most politically correct <laughs> to most unpolitical yeah whatever the term is <laughs> I'm covering the spectrum dude and then me yeah. trying to cross this plank to get onto a boat and it was getting dark it was pretty fun but uh, yeah it was a good times but man, you know, it's it's interesting that you mentioned that podcast. I mean, I was just looking back and I've got fortunately or unfortunately the archive of those podcasts. And I was just telling Somnath that I'm so glad this podcast isn't like blowing up because 
with Joe Rogan and his shit going crazy. I was like, yeah, I don't need to be popular because clearly in today's day and age, the moment you get a little too above or too predominant on people's radar, they want to bring you down. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's... And, and also, whenever, you know, any of these podcasts blow up and stuff, we've been kind of jamming on these things for so long. I'm sure you're... It's all going to come together when it needs to, you know? And I suppose, you know, that's something which you've mentioned and I really... Um, think that's a bit of advice I keep kind of um, going back to is dude just keep doing it and one more thing I've added to that is do, I would do it because you want to not because it's going to get you somewhere and sure. uh, 100 episodes is nothing 200 episodes is nothing you you once you do it as you and as you do it more and I've realized with this is you know the first 100 it was obviously called the baby bed podcast which the name changed to this and now it's probably getting up on 50 I think you may be number 50 of the interview format um, I'm getting better at understanding how I like to talk to people and uh, how to sort of get the conversation to a place where it's engaging for people who are listening and for the people who are who I'm talking to, you know. So it's nice. It's one of those oh, yeah. things which is just like, as you said, it's like practice. You get on stage more often. You hit, you hit, you know, your instrument, which you're learning more often. You just sort of find a space that suits you and the, and the, and the format. So it's nice that this is happening. No, I think it's great. And, you know, even like from the podcast that I've done, it's like oftentimes, no matter what, all of a sudden you won't like in a linear fashion feel that you're getting better. But then you'll do something and you'll be like, holy crap. It was like I never rode my bike faster than 30 miles an hour and I was just riding for 40 miles an hour. I didn't even realize it, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, the biggest thing is um, I think this was Tim Minchin or someone who gave that commencement speech at his university. And one of the points was don't keep your focus too much on the long-term goal because then you miss out on the short-term things that come your way um and this mm. is exactly this right when you're doing this something like this sometimes you might say okay it's the podcast which i'm leaning on for some kind of reliance when it comes to revenue or something and then you're like no wait wait a second this 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 probably opened up an avenue something else comes your way maybe you know um um another sort of format like podcasting but you never know you, if you keep your blinders on then you'll never find out you know Bro, who knows? I mean, a year from now, you may see your one sentences of every podcast on TikTok, and now you've got like eight thousand TikTok clips because you never that's the new trend, yeah, yeah. You don't yeah. even know if that platform is created now, which can make you there or uh, get you there. Or it's like every single one word is one TikTok. <laughs> no, I don't get it. Actually, you know what? You'd be a good person. Before we get into you, uh, what, what? How does uh, I am a good person? Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> clearly yeah. let's not go down those stories <laughs> sure yeah, yeah. but uh, no, it's, it's uh, funny I, got, a, I had covid oh sorry go on yeah. no what are you saying i was saying i got covid and i was like so upset and like in my like random like hang covid hangover i told my wife how did i get covid i'm a good person <laughs> and, she was, and she was like so everybody else who had covid is not a good person <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anyways my bad go I, on. no it's also yeah. I, I think that's such a stupid um thing that people the media especially has done it's almost like it's made you feel like getting covid is like getting aids while of course it is a virus but in the sense like of course i'm not saying everyone who gets aids is a bad person but there are um you know it's not like you got it uh intentionally like an like like an std i I don't know is falling ill a bad thing i it's not a it's not your fault but like if you go stabbing yourself with used needles then you get you're asking for trouble but some hiv is not always not that's not the case or even covid that's not always the case or with stds also that's not always the case but it's always you almost um kind of put into this group of oh you know he he was unsafe he didn't mask up he he didn't get his vaccine he's un, he's he's got a, the covid you know it's so stupid 
that oh yeah. yeah i mean nobody nobody knows also it's like dude i i tested positive on everything and my wife didn't test positive on anything and mm. you know we we don't quarantine when we go to bed or whatever you know? <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah so, so i think we obviously but if somehow like it was she had the most proximity to me and nothing but but yeah anyways that's probably a much bigger conversation but what were you saying i interrupted you sorry no i was i was trying to understand in this something which is you know i you kind of we used to have this conversation when i didn't know what the new tech was or a new development in this space was yeah kind of i would come to you and like hey dude how does this thing work and you're like dude just shut the fuck up and do another episode <laughs> i was like okay <laughs> but how how did how does this thing in the creative space these uh, first of all nfts um how do they work and how does someone understand um leveraging that for their creative um expression whether it's art or whether it's poetry or slam poetry or whatever it may be um so i to be honest i've looked at nfts and i know enough just to carry a conversation but mm. that's probably more than most people right yeah. which is um from what I, what i've understood like let's say there's an nf you buy an nft of you know, a picture of Tom Brady, uh, you know, throwing the winning touchdown or whatever. Uh Now, obviously, you own some of the rights to that if you're willing to pay whatever the person charging for it is, right? The photographer took that, say, for example. Yeah, but in the future, for example, the thing about that NFT is if you own the rights for that, um, maybe Tom Brady also in the future might say anybody who owns my NFTs gets to meet me in person for an hour you know um so i'll give you i'll give you an example of something that i um that a friend was telling me let's say you're an up-and-coming band like what's Mm. your favorite band that nobody knows right now yeah (laughs) like just give me a band (laughs) yeah oh Uh, i've never heard of them yeah yeah, oh yeah uh, garbage gods of garbage yeah okay gods of garbage so let's say gods and garbage is an up-and-coming band they've got a lot yeah, yeah. <laughs> gods of garbage <laughs> yeah. i like that actually so let's say they're an up-and-coming band and you know these days they want to make an album but it costs 100k to produce an album mm. so maybe they make a kickstarter okay sort of like and a crowdfunding a funding and yeah. as part of that if you give a thousand dollars they're going to give you 10 nfts which is like you know a picture of their autograph or the mp3 of some two song or whatever right Mm. so now you paid now you paid let's say a thousand dollars to own that picture of the lead singer but that uh that nft also guarantees you the right for a backstage pass to any of their concerts okay ah okay i've heard about let's say i've heard this makes sense yeah yeah yeah. sure and right now nobody cares because they're not big so Mm. fine they do a 200 person show backstage could be basically anybody because they're happy to meet everyone at 200 people but five years from now if they're bigger than like the rolling stones you still have that nft access so you're getting in on the party early yeah yeah potentially like that's one kind of implementation I've heard. you know on the same note i heard about how like say for instance you're a podcaster and you want money to get this podcast rolling and you need the equipment and say you need that that startup money right or whatever the Mm -hmm. term is Uh, apparently people can do the same thing where instead of a backstage pass they give money to startup uh, but they instead of getting say a song or an autograph or backstage pass they can leverage your fame in the future to get tweets which you might charge a million dollars then but you get it at a hundred dollars which you paid 20 years back you know yep yeah oh there's all sorts of so Mm. i mean there's a lot it's kind of like remember when podcasting especially in India, because you and I have been, you know, in India doing kind of content from 2010 to now, 
Yeah. And remember when we would get emails from like a lot of these big companies, ETV, whoever, like, hey, we want to do podcasting. Yeah. But they would also have no idea why they wanted to do it, right? Yeah. They wouldn't. I mean, they, because, because they were all they radio were... people who moved to that. And that's exactly where India is right now. Like ex-radio heads or program uh, managers for stations or whatever they call pro- programming heads. They've moved into these spaces for podcasting and they approach it with radio. So they're very sort of old school approach. And I remember asking someone, yeah. I'm doing a podcast. He's like, no more than six minutes. That's too long. I said, <laughs> I was like, okay. Yeah. And that's and their remember approach. Me, yeah. Remember me always telling everyone, YouTube videos shouldn't be longer than two minutes. And then yeah. all of a sudden now they should be two hours. <laughs> Crazy, right? So like, no, I mean, that's the right? thing because I won't, I, mean, I won't get down to that later. But um, when it comes to you, you mentioned the fact that we were sort of doing things before the the trend picked up. But, you know, that's a strange thing with podcasting now that people say that India is never going to pick up on podcasting because when a visual comes up, we like we like things to be seen as opposed to heard. Um, but I already see the trend, right? Like from when I did my Spotify series in 2020, 21, um, they said, you know, at the end of sec- the second season, they're like, no, nah, it's not working because English is not working. And even within India, as a podcasting platform, we have no market share because the likes of Ghana, Jio, Savan are taking over, even with music. So when it comes to our market share, we're not number one compared to these other three, four platforms. Within that, we're not big on podcasting. Within that, big on English. So it's so much... Um, it's so much of a niche to sort of uh, to find your space in because then, you know, the regional language is already picking up and now they're getting celebrities to do it. So it's clearly a game which will, um, you know, you have to kind of take time to play out because all the other things, like even with um, Netflix, they get the influencers to get their fans on the platform. And as a result, in after all that is exhausted in five years, then you're like, okay, where's the content now, you know? Yeah, no, that's the tricky part about India, right? It's like you're trying to feed people like, you know, chicken pot pie or like Louisville fried chicken when ultimately what sells the most is going to be your butter chicken or dal rice or whatever. Mm. So it's like, you know, with the Spotify and these things, like what I've seen is, yeah, there's a lot of like they're trying to do like those like murder mystery storytelling podcasts and those kind of (laughs) truth. Yeah, and like true crime and yeah. like, you know, she was a 30-something in Bandra, whatever, whatever. But uh-huh. I don't know if that stuff is – and it, it's like there has to be one thing that's going to break through. But until they discover it, you're never going to be able to push that that creative side of it versus what is going to be mass adopted much yeah. faster. Because their job yeah. is to get numbers, right? Yeah. I think right now in India, the idea of mass – you know, I was talking to some guy who's a venture capitalist. And he said, see, Sadeep, yeah. you're English – uh, you speak English and your population that you want to consume a content is 1% of India and they're called India. The 99% of where my money is going to grow is Bharat. And I was like, oh, uh, how do I? You called him a mass hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he cares about money, dude. He cares about numbers. He doesn't give yeah. a shit about creative. So it's no point me trying to learn Hindi or Bengali. And, because even in that 99% of Bharat, it's not one language, right? It is multiple languages and there are multiple scopes for exploding, which is so good. So why should I break away from my 1% who is also big numbers? 1% of a billion people is not a small number. So why should I care and stress about that when um, this is what I've known, this is what I've sort of been exposed to and this is sort of what I'm comfortable and good at. So I think that's that's something important to understand is that this is what... um, is is about playing to your strengths as opposed to realizing that you have a bunch of weaknesses and trying to you know try, trying to uh, I wouldn't say working on your weakness is a bad thing, 
but it's like oh i don't speak hindi that's my that's what i'm focusing on as opposed to you know what i do speak english let me just focus on that yeah see sandeep it's like if that guy because he's a numbers guy he's a mass hole he wants yeah. to show roi to whoever he's thinking that if you give us 2 crores i'm going to tell you we have 500,000 listeners yeah. he's thinking yeah you're right hindi is not the national language or it's not the the thing but that's the fastest way to get a low hanging fruit of 40% yeah. market share right yeah. or whatever but you know he may try to do all of that and start with the 40% you may think about the you know south indian english speaking you know maybe more metropolitan crowd but you may get 90% of the 10% where this guy yeah. is getting 10% of the 40% yeah, right yeah 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 so so and you will have a stronger it's just He's not going to ever try to go that route because he's yeah. thinking about it from a corporate standpoint, whereas you're doing it from a creative standpoint. And this second one is a longer one. It's a longer game, and it's a more game of cultivating what people want and what you want. It's a kind of like your, even your audience grows with you. Like a person who saw me in 2010 might not ever come back for my show, but the ones who do might say, "Hey, it's a pleasant change that this guy's grown over the past 10 years." And that's another point I was thinking about is a lot of people, you know, they consume the low-hanging fruit as the term may be put. but what happens is after 3 4 years you, you got to understand they grow their preferences taste and their yeah. um lifestyle might change what they are exposed to so they might start out in 2010 someone say who's a hindi speaker who's moved from indore to bombay might you know say oh i love um watching say the tvfs creations right like their channel but the yep. next the two years after that they're like you know what i i just discovered this graham norton show i really like watching his show and i i'm comfortable now speaking english it's more fluent i'm able to think in the language three years later they discover like say an author like say jk rowling and her stuff and that mean what you are not understanding and i think a lot what a lot of not you sorry a lot of the investors don't understand is that people change their preferences they grow as human beings and they will eventually find Um, and just like that right like how a person who came from a small town might aspire to be a member of a more posh um group i wouldn't say posh being the exact word but being a be- group of like say a book club or being a part of a cycling group they they wouldn't have thought of that but the people who are investing are going for their needs at this point they're not anticipating i think you know yeah and you know it's it's two sides right it's yeah. for anyone who may be listening right now if it's like the creative side of doing what you want to do versus what you think is going to work yeah, right yeah. and look like i was thinking as you were speaking like you know there's so many MTV VJs over the last 15 years who have been on like way more VJs have been on than comedians exist or YouTubers exist yeah. but I can probably only name one or two off the top of my head right yeah. and in the same sense and maybe I'm a bad example maybe the average person can name three or four but there's probably like hundreds right yeah. and if you, if you're trying to be like everybody you're going to end up being nobody right and that's so the MC it, world as well the VJs are the MCs 100% yeah, yeah. yeah i mean and and it is moving into you know a lot of comedians are sounding like each other a lot yeah. of singers as as we've seen in the bars you know in pretty much all of our 20s yeah. if you're just singing cover songs to everybody else it's very commendable to hone your craft working on that stuff yeah. but at, at the same time you know if you just want to be a bar singer for the rest of your life that's completely fine but if yeah. you're trying to do your own stuff you got to kind of push the boundaries of stuff people people aren't going to like you know you got to fall on your ass because the problem with things is people like to consume uh th- stuff that's familiar that like a kaigo track which has gone viral everyone wants to recreate that track because now it's palatable and that year's signature sound style is what people want but the guy or the girl or the group that says no we want our own sound might not be the best hit that year but 5 years later they're like dude that sound is so unique and like i mean i'm sure like i mean i'm not saying um 
it's easy, but there's such a unique signature sound for U2 or a Pink Floyd. And I mean, people might disagree saying, what the fuck, U2 is a sellout. I don't know, but I'm just saying there's a unique sound that people have developed over years, which, I mean, of course, it changes, right? Like Coldplay, each album now is sounding more different. It's more technical. It's more tech. It's got more electronic, mm. but it's still the moment you hear it, you're like, hey, that's a Coldplay song, you know, which, yeah. of course, keeps up with the times. But if you look, if you listen to like, say, a cover band, as you said, it's great because they are oh cool after like three drinks at a bar you're like cool I like I like listening to Maroon Five coming through an Indian face you know it's 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 great yeah, and it's and like I, no and then they're, then they're like we're gonna do an original and you're like ah let's go get correct. a cigarette no, and, and it's amazing right like the fact that a guy or a girl can recreate like a Freddie Mercury no, that, not Freddie Mercury but say like a really good Jason Mraz <laughs> yeah. track I mean, Freddie Mercury let's be honest very few people can cover him and that's the true sure. idea, thing of a unique voice but like it's nice to Sometimes, you know, hear a live voice uh, playing a song that you like listening to recorded from the original. It's really strange, but it just works. But tw- if you go yeah. to that bar 20, uh, 20, time, 20 days later and they're doing the same thing, you're like, dude, come on. Can you increase your repertoire? Yeah. I don't know. It's weird, yeah. man. People want like people want new but familiar. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's the strange part. That- and, you know, there was a book, you know, maybe I mentioned to you guys years ago uh, by this guy. It was like one of these hipster motivation books, but it was called like Steal Like an Artist, right? Uh-huh. Where even if you look at Coldplay, then tomorrow you hear like, I don't know, uh, you know, what was that song? All the other kids with the pump. Mm, foster, foster the people. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that when those guys were getting big, you know, five, ten years ago, people were like, oh, you know, they're like Coldplay meets this person or yeah. they're like that meets. So in the book, he's saying... If, if when a friend is recommending you a new band, he's always going to say they're like this Venn diagram meets Vin, this ah, Venn diagram. Mm. And so literally he's saying they steal from this guy and they steal from this guy yeah. to make something new. You know, so that's what I think very I've, few ideas in music I, come out in isolation because um, a Chris Martin, a Bono, whoever has grown up listening to music is, and that's what got them. Uh, to be musicians, right? Whether they played at the mm-hmm. church choir or they played at their local college a gig or whatever. And because I feel, especially with music and even with comedy um, and, you know, similar performing arts, it, you can't sit in a forest. Uh, I mean, you possibly can, um, but that kind of music would be different. But you can't sit alone. Like, you know, some some even an author who says, I go to the cabin in the mountains to write my new novel, that obviously the author has read books. Um, they're not just coming out of nowhere going I've learned my alphabets now I'm an author obviously they've read other authors you know so I think everything comes out of a place and then that's the beauty of being who you are which you can't be if you're running after every uh, avenue opening up to you like I'm going to run after this run after that because then what happens is you don't end up becoming who you are uh, doing things that you want to do Uh, rather you become um, all these things which um, are tempting in the short term and uh, if you can sort yeah. of take these ideas, adapt them, and, and sort of bring in this person you are, I think that's what makes a musician truly unique or truly long-lasting, you know, or any artist. Yeah. I mean, it's so frustrating, though, as an, as an artist, you know, because it's mm. like, imagine you your... Say that with a <laughs> bit of a pompous <laughs> twist. <laughs> I, just, I, I just miss uh, your fancy areas in Bangalore. You know, uh, it's no longer <laughs> fancy, dude. It's no longer fancy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But like, as, as an artist, right, it's like, Imagine if you're a, a young kid and you're 17, 18 and you're trying to stick to your and you're trying to obviously do what those kids do, which is get laid. Yeah. And you see what all the other people are doing, wearing nice clothes, 
you know, driving a fancy car, this, that, then that, but you're trying to stick to your guns of metaphorically being your own artist mm. and you're doing 50 other things that aren't working. Yeah. Now, whereas everybody else is getting girlfriends because they're doing what everybody else does, but you're yeah. trying to hone your voice. It's no one ever talks about just how difficult it is to actually stay true to what you want to do. You know? Oof, man, especially in the um, environment of the internet where everything's being shared and only the highlights are being shared. Um, it's yeah. very difficult, right? Like who would, like honestly, if a kid is now sitting and, and doing her lessons of eight hours of violin every day or whatever uh, um, Malcolm Gladwell says it t truly takes to be an outlier, 10 hours a day of practicing that instrument. And then, you know, obviously she's not living in isolation. She's watching Instagram reels of people dancing to um, um, a Shakira track or lip syncing to this or whatever they're doing or TikToking to something else. And just she's like, are you serious? What were you sorry? Four hours a day for ten years of this shit and no appreciation till then. I mean, it's, it's just ridiculous. yeah. It's, I mean, it's it's so difficult to keep you know your uh, perspective um, and, and I, focus. Yeah. And on the flip side of that, the TikToker who is getting a billion views at seventeen and thinking she's got it or he or she's got it figured out. Yeah. There's a flip side where once that thing gets exhausted or the TikTok algorithm changes. Now that person is probably never grinded out where they don't they have other things to fall back on, right? Yeah, that's when so they join Big Boss Canada. Big Boss. That's that's where they join OnlyFans and, and do oh, like dude. naked stuff. Oh, dude! I was going to ask you: Are you on Only? Because it's, apparently, the the whole thing that made OnlyFans um, OnlyFans, which was the, the angle Nudity, of sex yeah, and uh, sexual yeah. acts, has been. Toned down. Apparently, people like payment portals are like, we don't encourage this. They all suddenly like become holier than thou on their customers. Like, we don't like you subscribing to uh, adult content. Like, dude, I don't understand why uh, this is the thing you said, the human trait, right? Where we want new but familiar. I mean, we know yeah. that sex sells. And a lot of people on OnlyFans, women and whatever other gender people are doing it with consent. They know that they're selling the the, the, the the fact that they're hot and they have nice bodies to people who are willing to pay high money and it's not no middleman exploiting them. I don't see it as a bad thing, but I'm not, I haven't paid on OnlyFans yet because it's, it, it's, I don't know. I just, I'm not that kind of guy right now, uh, but maybe later, maybe when I'm like, you know, <laughs> hunched over my laptop, like a little goblin going, I need some fresh porn. I don't know. But right now I don't see the point where people should step in because if it's got, I think it's like the virtual, it's like the virtual, um, you know, those like weird kinky old men who are just so bored of just normal heterosexual, boring mm. sexual behavior that they need to all of a sudden get choked or do different things or like need to mm. see somebody in like a schoolgirl outfit or whatever. I feel yeah. like OnlyFans is like people have access to anything they want with a Google search. But with OnlyFans, it's like more forbidden or it's like harder to find or it's like... But it's all consent kind of and there's no physical danger to the person, right? Of course, but but it's somebody that they kind of know, right? Yeah. So there's that kind you know, of dude, like... Kind of no thing. Sorry, you're interrupting me. Because... Oh, and I'm not on it, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, what, is, what I found it was hilarious. You said the TikToker who went massive and now has Z, basically the, the carpet pulled out from under him, right? Um, yeah. You know, who was, I heard, I don't know. I heard that this guy who was really big as a musician in the 90s, I think you'll know because we grew up at the same time with music. Um, you know, the Backstreet Boys, uh, uh, Nick Carter's younger brother, Aaron Carton, Aaron Carter. Car Aaron He's Carter, apparently yeah. on TikTok and he does things like play the guitar nude. <laughs> oh my God. On TikTok? Oh, sorry, OnlyFans. 
Yeah. Oh lord. Oh, yeah. it's crazy, dude. I my Twitter feed is just filled with musicians. Like the ads now are filled with like movies. Oh, you're on TikTok. And, no, on Twitter. I'm saying on Twitter. On, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, in America, I, I am on TikTok. I've not been active. Just like I haven't been active on any socials this year. Yeah, but, yeah. I was going to uh, ask you about that. Yeah, but all the movies and the music and the traditional media outlets are now pushing their stuff on social media via paid ads because they've realized that they've lost their audience. You know. Mm. No. Okay. So yeah. anyway, uh, but what we I don't understand. You know, I realized, but a lot lot of it is about you can have the best content, right? Uh, and this is across platforms: Netflix, YouTube, whatever. But um, at the end of the day, the thing what drives it most is, of course, you know, the algorithms, etc. But you know, people um, have you. I mean, you ha- you have to be found if you're really good, and none of the platforms are pushing you, or you're not picked up anywhere. I don't think you can. Anyone today uh, can organically become massive. Do you think that statement makes yeah. sense? I think for the most part, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah. I'm sure there are going to be corner cases of you know somebody's still doing stand-up comedy at a club and they just happen to be the HBO producer, you know, in right. the audience that one night. Yeah. But or I did think, I tell you yes. that? Did you hear the Butch episode just on that point? That's exactly what happened to Butch Bradley. Um, no, what happened? He, he was doing this really small, shitty room after the lockdown sort of started easing up in Vegas. You know, he's a resident comic at uh, the Stratosphere uh, yeah, yeah. Club, I, right? The, I met him. He took my wife and I out. It was really nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You went with him. Correct, correct. So he, apparently yeah. he was doing a really shitty room, just working out his routine. And... Um, one of his friends brought this guy. I, I forget the name, dude. He's this, apparently... Is this the DJ Ashba, the rock star guy? No, the no. The DJ Ashba? Okay. No, no. So this is apparently some big-time Hollywood director or whatever. Uh, he was in the front row. And after the gig, Butch's friend and the director were talking. And the director was like, I'd like to have a word with that guy. And he told Butch, I really liked your stuff. And if you want to work together, I can get you up on any platform. Next thing you know, Butch is on Amazon with his special. Nice. So they recorded That's like awesome. Butch doing four or five different rooms and taking 15-minute uh, clips from each, compiled that together and uh, got him that special. So that's that's a, a story which really gives hope to uh, comedians especially who don't get picked up by big management uh, companies or people who represent you because, I mean, that's another story, right? We're uh, tempted to get picked up and represented by big agents. And the little thing, do you know, uh, the little thing that has been told to you rather is that the contracts really fuck you over. So a lot of things like your IP is gone, you're signing up for stuff that, um, because I had a conversation yeah. with a big producer in, from Bombay last year. I mean, you know, I, I mentioned his name, but I don't know if it'll serve any purpose. But I mean, his contract, sure. because after Spotify, I got a little smart with the contracts. Um, after Indigo's actually, because Indigo's contract was so weird. Uh, my friend Arjun, who's a lawyer, is like, dude, just let me deal with your contracts. So yeah. this guy's contract was for a podcast idea that he came up with and he wanted me to sort of front it and do the research and present it, host it. But then he slipped in his artist management contract and he's like, yeah, for any, oh, for 500 no. seater room, um, uh, first of all, he said, we'll do a, a 70-30 profit share, which looks really good, yeah. right? Like I get 70% of the profit. Yeah. But no one tells you that, hey, dude, it's profit share. He can easily go and say, out of the one crore I made, 99 lakhs was my cost. So now you're getting 70% yeah. of one lakh, you know? Gotcha, so things like gotcha. that. But the numbers he was dropping. And he's like, Sandeep, buddy, let me tell you one thing, man. 
anyone can replace you you know okay you're blind and i want you as a blind guy for this podcast but i can get anyone for this podcast i can get a guy who's not blind to wear sunglasses and play your role i'm like whoa okay try that jesus yeah. christ was, yeah wow. yeah he said that and then he was like yeah. and um, by the way you know what you're nobody just remember that you're nobody i need to put money to make you somebody i said okay yes. dude he's like he's like listen buddy you're nobody <laughs> he actually said that <laughs> yeah. and i was like you know what yeah. dude you can and and th- five years back i'd say i better be like nivi i'm nobody but I was like, you know what? He can say what the fuck he wants on the phone, but it only matters when it comes in the contract form. That's when you put your terms down, you know. Yeah, and you know, you and I have been kind of in this sort of world for such such a long time, and met so yeah. many characters who come and go. This guy will be in some Bitcoin, crypto, NFT project two weeks from now. You know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. So you know, who cares? Yeah. No, I'm just giving people crazy. examples. Yeah. yeah, I think it's important yeah, to no, understand. And you know what? Like, I mean, this is kind of a tangent, but it got me thinking. Like. No matter what, you know, people are trying to start so many things, do so many things. Um, I was, and especially in India, where there's this huge opportunity to do anything you want, but yeah. only if it hit, if it hits and it hits hard, do people ever look back and kind of talk about it or analyze it? Like, yeah. I was reading this book called uh, Thinking in Bets. Have you heard of it? Thinking in Bets, no. Thinking, so it's by this poker player lady named Annie, mm-hmm. and basically she was like, "Is the decision you made?" We have a we have a habit of judging a decision solely based on the outcome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And sometimes the outcome can just be luck, right? Yeah. Which is you know you just won a big hand in in a slot machine in Vegas out of pure luck, but the decision for you to play that hand for fifty dollars is stupid because it's a ninety nine percent loss rate. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So your decision was throwing away money, but the outcome was that one time you won. So. She does all these like sports analogies of a guy who tried to win the Super Bowl with like a play, and then he did the play didn't work, and everyone on ESPN called him an idiot. Yeah. But if you look at the, his decision to make the play, it was very sound. You yeah. Know? So point. So we in India and we across the world, like you know, I was watching Danish and Vamsi's movie uh, the uh-huh. other day, right uh, here on Amazon on Amazon Prime, and I enjoyed it, right? Right. right. And I was looking at the reviews, and I saw some people did, some people didn't. Yeah. And it's funny because if everybody let's assume it was a crap movie but yeah. everybody they paid 500 people to review it and say it was amazing yeah all of a sudden everybody would be like wow it was awesome you know right right um, or they'll say wow such a risk so bold but if everybody mm. shits on it no matter how bold the choice was people yeah. are just going to think it was a bad movie irrespective of that they, that they tried to do something inventive you know and that's the strange thing i feel uh for India is anything that's happening as a trend in the world is magnified by that many more people, right? Because of our sheer volume of population, and I I feel bad, man, because you know it's it you cannot have one point seven billion billionaires. It's very difficult because that's not how yeah, the world works. And, and we're an outcome based society, right? We're an outcome based society, but I feel yeah. bad because one side they're being bombarded by these things, these people on YouTube going viral, whether it's in the comedy space, in the content creation space, whether it's in the fitness space. I mean, and next thing, they look at the reality that it, it takes a lot of hard work and they might not have the resources to do it. So it's this dilemma they face. And as a result, they are, again, they are being reminded. Um, you know, there's a really good book um, I just read called The Psychology of Money by Morgan something. Um, yeah, I, I can put it. I read it. I read it. I liked it. You read the book, yeah. right? It's, it makes a lot I just of sense. Gave, I just gave it to my brother. Yeah, it's so funny that you. It's read a that. good book yeah. because uh, actually, no, this is what I didn't hear this there. Now, 
anyway, I heard this lady, Mel Robbins, actually talk about this idea where a lot of people say visualizations. A lot of young people now talk about visualization. Uh, but she said this really important line. I didn't listen to the rest of the episode, but the line was nice. She said one of the steps in visualization is to dream and visualize that fantasy home or that beach house or that dream place where you want to get to. But here's the thing, right? If you have that photo of that beach house in front of you as your visualization sort of goal, and you're looking at that every day while you're t- typing away or doing coding at your computer or doing your little sketch for your graphic design, you're, you're, after two years, you're like, dude, this is impossible. I'm never going to get there. It's disheartening. So what she yeah. says is re- remember to work and visualize on the smaller things. Like I'm going to make a better design today. I'm going to make a better program today because those smaller steps help you get to the larger thing because it's so easy to get carried away by the long goal. Again, it's the same thing with that, what Tim mentioned said, right? Yeah, and you know, and somebody else said something similar, which is like, if you're only focused on the trees, you'll never see the forest. Yeah, you know? yeah. Which is like, you and I used to, you know, sit there trying to crack one joke or one video or just one one project or one person said this to us and it bothered us or whatever. Yeah. But at some point, or this guy telling you, I can replace you, you know, 10 years ago, you would have cried or you would have cursed him off, like yeah. you said. But now you're like, I'm not going to burn that bridge. I'll just politely thank him for his time or whatever. That's exactly who what knows. happened. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just guessing, right? And then who knows? Maybe two years from now, this guy will come come back to you or somebody else will be like, yeah, he mentioned you and some other project will happen. But it's like, yeah. you're in it for the long haul. So you don't get caught up in these, you know, one-off things. Right? And that's exactly what I loved uh, hearing from this guy. What's his last name? And Morgan something. He says, um, and this I think is relevant for- no, <laughs> no, no. He, he's uh, he's the guy who does the voiceovers. <laughs> if, if, if you can't see the trees, Andy Dufresne. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I want to do a I want to do a, a a spoof of that. I mean, the entire sort of build up is just for one line at the end, and he goes, and that was why wow, Shashank's redemption. <laughs> it's just an Indian version, <laughs> but uh, but um. Yeah, yeah, this guy Morgan the, something. No, so he was saying this idea, basically talks about money and wealth, et cetera, et cetera, for those of you who haven't read it. But um, the nice part about one thing he says is that um, you should have enough money not to be rich where you can buy stuff and show off, et cetera, because that's also something human beings like doing. But when you have wealth or whatever you can rely on, it gives you a couple of things. Like it, like, and, and these are the things that I really stuck with me. If you can, If, if you have the ability to communicate if you have the ability to be flexible and um, if you have the ability, what was the third thing he said? I think um, basically what he says is that if you to, are... Uh, to, to, to say no? Is that what he meant? Kind of say no. Um, see, the idea is to not be desperate, right? Not to take everything yeah. that comes your way. But when you have... Um, number one, I think if you're doing it because you want to do it and you really enjoy doing it uh, and if you're able to sort of be flexible with okay you know what i've taken stand up but right now stand up's not working so i might uh, maybe the word is pivot into doing say you know right now juggling is good <laughs> i don't know whatever but the flexibility that money gives you um prevents you from taking bad desperate decisions which might yeah. work in the short run sure, of course um, yeah. yeah it's like it's like a drug addict needing his fix versus yeah. you know um planning for things ahead or, or yeah. just partying when it's important or whatever, you know? So yeah, I completely yeah. agree, yeah. No, man, because I, you know, heard a couple of st- stories. Uh, people in the lockdown, you know, had this image. I mean, before the lockdown, they were seen as these high society sort of socialites, partying, wearing the best of clothes, being seen at the best of parties and the places and the launches of new bars. 
and then the lockdown happened and a lot of and then a lot of I mean, a lot of things came out that these people didn't really have money they just had um the image which they would spend yeah. a lot of money on keeping up but they didn't have wealth which was the money that they could rely on so then what happened when uh, the things opened up in bangalore or wherever in bombay that they would start partying again but their revenue would gone right so a lot of these people were mm. had fame by association they would be seen with the biggest builder's son in bangalore whatever so they had to still keep that image up and i a friend of a friend i mean obviously i'm not going to drop names he said dude i got a call the other day and this guy is like broken i bought a 7 lakhs and he's like of course man but why do you need it he said uh, i need to pay off my my bill at a bar in bangalore i've just been going on credit shut up yeah. really so people are going on credit wow. because they want to be seen back with that image that they uh were and also why are yeah. you why are you on credit buying bottles for freaking 30000 rupees yeah. why don't you just not dr- drink as much or just no I why know, i mean like, it's not even drink i don't even think these guys drink it's about what they've seen giving to their guests you know yeah. they have this big table they're like oh man this guy is shankar crazy man he had, he's he had crystal at the table or he had don perion at the table and i mean i don't know can you do it man when you know you have no money and that each bottle costs a lakh or whatever uh you're buying 10 bottles you're not even enjoying it you're like yo dude it's not even chill to the right temperature <laughs> dude but those people who remember the comedy club owner we shall not name who yeah. like had like a rent of like 40 lakhs a month that he didn't pay and even the guy cleaning the toilet making 7000 rupees a month was not paid yet this guy has like a 18 crore house that probably yeah. he hasn't paid his EMI on I would assume so oh man yeah that was a disaster yeah. right yeah and then yeah, he so and then he like, burnt his nightclub down to get the money back <laughs> yeah oh lord so Crazy. it's just i just find it the you know you're talking about the lockdown i think just can we say like that I feel like that was one of the good things to come out of that and I know there wasn't many but at least you know in hindsight something that was probably good was I think that wake up call was needed for a lot of people you know yeah. even myself which was hey you can't just keep dicking around every weekend or hey cool you're doing comedy or music or your business or your startup but take this time to pause and reevaluate cuz I don't think we do that enough right you talked yeah. about being so focused on one thing sometimes we don't zoom out a bit to just not I mean we all think okay I watched his motivational videos I got to bust my ass I got to hustle I got to hustle I got to hustle yeah. but even in freaking corporate meetings they make you do like a quarterly review or like yeah. a weekly review yeah. to make sure that from the sky you're still kind of the puzzle pieces are kind of coming together I mean you know? dude you service your car every year <laughs> it yeah. needs an oil change you know <laughs> yeah. I mean yeah, I had I in fact um, I I thought of writing a new show or um and i thought of calling it the lockdown saved my life but i realized that might be a little harsh for people who lost their lives and it's not a yeah. it's not a it's not a comedy title but it literally did man because as the things you just said right i don't want to go on because i've spoken about this on previous episodes but i think the in one line if the lockdown did anything for me it was it helped me unlearn a lot of things that yes. i had taken um that you know i had taken for granted the way i was behaving the way i was mm-hmm. thinking the way i was doing things uh the way i was um, you know being i mean in ma- in many ways it happens whether it's your environment your school your family you're just sort of imbibing these things over the course of time as you grow up and the next thing you know you're doing it uh in this sort of way without thinking about it saying yeah but it's just how it was told and that's why i'm doing it but if you actually take a step back and say no i'm not going to do things because people will be impressed or i get validation i'm not going to play an instrument because i have to play in a band i'm not going to do a sport because i have to be seen on instagram as being fit and active i'm going to do a bunch of things and and coming to that place involves a lot of unlearning so yeah in a line it really helped me unlearn um and then relearn who i want to be and who i am mm-hmm. 
So yeah, it's amazing. Percent. Yeah. I was like, I, dude, I, like a lot of us were just like freaked out because I had all these plans to produce comedy things yeah. and to kind of hit the ball, like hit the ground running when I got, because my story was we were planning after 10 years in India yeah. to move. So once I just for context for people Corona. who don't know this, so Sanjay and his wife, um, uh, they got married and then 2020, um, in 2019, we got married. And yeah, 2021, we go to America. Yeah, yeah, because you were yeah, here for Yeah, we had it planned for a year. Yeah, and exactly. it was planned for a year yeah. that we were going to land in America, March 2020. We had planned that for a year before yeah. COVID. Yeah, exactly. So and you got then, married in 2019, and you were and you had been here, and I mean, of course, your wife Chinky has also been in India studying and uh, doing her medicine, and so you mm-hmm. f- basically finished the entire stint with Accenture. You did your comedy full time. You were. You, you, I mean, of course, you were working your balls off on content, right? You were making sketches, you were making online mm-hmm. uh, content for, um, and, and you tried, and you went in different directions. You did like monologues, yeah. vlogs, podcasts, you'd made those made sketches, you tried uh, document, like little short films, and you were doing all mm-hmm. of it. And then you went back into production of com- live comedy gigs. And then your sort of thing was, okay, now we're going to go to America and try um, sort of capturing the Indian comedy market there, right? Yeah, yeah, right. pretty much. Yeah. And then, you know, I was doing uh, Facebook advertising and a bunch of stuff I was trying to figure out. But, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, for the most part. And then so my whole plan was I knew in 2019 we're going to be in America, March of 2020. Yeah. I knew we've got this massive Daisy comedy explosion worldwide that can, you know, obviously sell a lot of tickets and I yeah. can produce the stuff because I know the business in and out. Um, and then literally I had a couple of, uh, theaters and auditoriums. I had all the quotes done and I was talking to, um, you know, the artists trying to figure out who might be interested and, and what the numbers could be a very talking to people. I've just talked to a few, but theaters and everything, all the groundwork was done. Right. right. So that it was just a matter of picking up the phone, calling, you know, you, another friend of mine, whoever, and just being like, come here in three months. Right. I mean, realistically, and, yeah, I would have been down the line. I think someone more famous yeah, to start well, with. I, I would have, I would, I, I would have got you for the ride so that yeah. you and I. Yeah. Could, yeah. Yeah. Know, it would have been like yeah. more like the road trip we did yeah. to Calif- to, to LA from San yeah. Fran. Yeah. Then I would have been like, Vipul, get your ass over here. Correct. <laughs> yeah. Here. Do the heavy lifting, <laughs> you, know, you bastard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need you Kunal, to sell you the tickets. tickets. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but I had it all set. Yeah. His specials out, by the com- way. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I was talking to him as well. And I was like, he was like, dude, if you can do it, let's do it. And yeah. so I, I had it all planned out. Um, and then freaking the lockdown happened. And then I just, I was like, what am I going to do? How am I going to support my wife? What am I going to figure out? And then, yeah, you know, that's such an stock. important thing I want to talk about with you because exactly you were all over the place with so many ideas and all over the place in a good and in a bad way. Like you were you were not focusing on stand up. You were doing all these uh, content bits. At the same time, you were studying about so- social media marketing. And I was just like, dude, what, what, what's his plan? And you were a little vague about your plan. And, and you were still like, you know what, man, I, I know something's going to click. Right. And then when you went there, everything was shut down because I think that's when America yeah. hit that big lockdown and they all went crazy with, oh, my God, stay indoors, stay masked, all that shit. Right? Yeah. But yeah, if I'm like, yeah, go no, on, what, no, what I was getting to is you didn't um, get to do what you planned to do. But suddenly, you know, what everyone here was like, what's Sanjay doing? I was like, I have no clue because we weren't in touch as often. And I spoke to you then a few months later. We spoke and you're like, dude, it's been tough uh, because, yeah, you, you, I mean, you can you just take me through that? Because you you had 
commitments. You, it's not like you could just live off. Let's see, but you planned it and a year later or two years later, looking back, how was that? What did you do? Like, did you go through a lot of like, fuck panic, like shit, I, what am I going to do for money? Um, what, what am I going to do to sort of get by? Because your wife at that point was still studying to get into a program. And then, of course, you have to look after family, your mom, and yeah, I mean, America's home. But what, what was going on through your mind at that point when you just got there? Yeah, I, w- I was basically in a cluster, like a mind, F-U-C-K, if you will, of just yeah. like, I really got to figure out what to do for the, <coughs> the next one year, right? Yeah, yeah. And so luckily for me, because I've always planned this well, where of my time in working at Accenture and stuff, I did park away money, you yeah. know, that, okay, I can always withdraw from this every month for a long time to at least pay my rent and pay my food, you know, right. or the basics, so, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, so I've never, obviously, I've kind of dipped into that fund a bit more than I'd feel comfortable doing, but yeah. all is fine on that front, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah, yeah I, I was still freaked out. Like, and that's the okay, idea of wealth, I, which he says, right, that you had something to fall back on, you weren't desperate on the uh, streets. Of course, yeah. I wasn't incredible, you know, even to this day, I'm like, I barely ever charge too much on my cards or whatever. Yeah. You know, like right now we're moving, so I've built up a little bit. But yeah. up until, you know, pre-COVID, I, all my balances were zero. I've got good savings. And this is after not working for three, four years, right? Yeah. So yeah. My, my point was, I was like, all right, I got to figure this shit out. We know comedy clubs and things are done for the next one year. So to your point of me being all over the place, I look at my kind of, education or my skill building in comedy or content as it's not a linear thing where like a university tells you here's what you do as a freshman here's what you do as a sophomore yeah i look at what what are the 30 classes for the major and i just take them in any order i can figure out yeah yeah yeah. so i so i might take a comedy production class or do comedy production before i know how to do comedy I might, you know what I mean? Yeah, I know know you have a joke there that you're going to say you swore at us. No, I'm not. I'm I'm actually not. I I don't know. I don't have jokes, man. I'm sorry. That's (laughs) how deep's gone. I unlearned how to do stand up. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But, But so I look at, okay, as long as I'm pushing the ball forward in something, like, you know, then I feel like good. So fine. Comedy clubs are shut. And, you know, I'm still a little bit here, here on Twitter. But for me right now, the priority was when I did my own quarterly review was I want to yeah. make some money. Yeah. I'm not happy personally until I start making some money. Makes sense. So I started, yeah. le- I started learning digital marketing, helped out some people with that. I learned stock trading and the crypto stuff, not to the extent of like Lamborghini Instagram bullshit, but yeah. like the hard reality of trading the markets. Yeah. And I talked to a bunch of people, learned a bunch of that stuff, still learning. Um, and then I felt comfortable. I started making money again during the lockdown from home. Mm. And now that's given me the confidence now to go back into comedy production. Cause as you know, producing a show in America is like a $10,000 investment before even a ticket is sold, you know, like a good show. So, so now I'm kind of building all those pieces and they're all coming together. I don't have a master PowerPoint of how and when they come together, but it's Mm. all in my head that it's all coming together, you know, like I'm the only one who understands it. And it's such a weird thing for me to even have said, because that's exactly what from an outsider's point of view, even though I know you, I'm not an outsider in your life. It looked like you were running in 10 directions, right? Like you were doing stand-up, yeah. that was not your focus. You were doing videos, okay. You were doing trying to do Facebook ads, that was... The, and everyone's like, I mean, not everyone, but of course, people are like, what is, what is, what is going on? But now, when, when you do hit that big one, or many big ones, when you look back like, fuck, wait a second, he can produce his own shows because he's done research on how to promote them. He's got the financial know-how because he spent a year or two doing the stock markets. He can edit his own promos because he spent a bunch of time doing video content. He can even 
host the show because he happens to be a comedian so it, it makes mm-hmm. sense but society will not encourage you to think in that way right like i i came from a way of social conditioning going what the fuck is he doing like jack of all trades master of fuck all right but yeah it clearly makes sense because i mean if even if you look at like sort of uh, i don't have as many avenues i've sort of gone down but i can i can mainly my stuff revolves around talking right i either talk on a mic yeah. on stage off stage at in a room or wherever but Uh, the fact that it's really impressive man like the fact that you you can basically be a one man company with different departments and you can run them all and do them all which is really cool yeah i mean at some point you know you do have to you know like delegate and, and do all that but yeah, 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 yeah i'm very course. bad at yeah i'm very bad at delegating and yeah. so i've recognized that and that's just something that i have to work with where sometimes i overwork myself but you know yeah, i'm really because you glad. get too attached to what you're creating so you don't want others and yeah i, I get what you mean you don't want to sort of but you you go yeah. But you lot of you gotta let other people, you know, bruise your baby, if you will. You know, like that yeah. those TVF guys. There's literally two of them who I know initially did all the work, but eventually, yeah. you gotta let people, you know, mess up and write their own thing and trust that it'll work. And yeah. I'm glad you said what you said though, because you know that that's kind of what I've been trying to explain to my family and my close friends, even and even yeah. my, you know, like you know, other people. It's like that's kind of. Like none of you are gonna get it until you see it, and then you know, like hindsight quarterback, it'll yeah. be like, okay, I understood the whole time. And so, yeah. like, I can guarantee, you know, we have this misconception in because because you guys would tell me or other people, I might even tell like, oh, focus only on comedy or focus only on production, and it's like, I hear you, and yeah. I'm not neglecting those things. There's just not enough shows every day where I can be busy doing that, so yeah. I got to do other things. To fill the time, and yeah. I, I can guarantee you, I'm not saying I'm an expert in 40 things, but yes, I know digital marketing, and I can guarantee you, I'm probably better in my part-time digital marketing capacity than some full-time digital marketer. I, I can think that's a very you, true statement. I think from yeah. what we've seen, yeah, absolutely. And in comedy, and and in production, I'm I'm not saying I'm better than half of them or all of them. I'm saying yeah. me doing. 10 things i guarantee you in all of those 10 things i'm better than 10 full time guys in each of those things some of them yeah, you know yeah. dude i'll tell you what it is i think uh, you know pre lockdown i would have been the guy also going dude focus 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 stand up r- joke write jokes write this thing because that's what you know we we kind of have also heard from the american comedians that we look up to right that do comedy do comedy but then what we forget is those guys already there and who knows the hundred of the hundreds of things that they did to get there right But And those guys have forty shows a day. You know? Exactly. So the things I would have been, yeah, focused by Sanjay not doing stand. Anyway, but I think what's interesting uh, is when you only do stand up, right? You're good at stand up, no doubt. But I think what happens is if you're doing only social media marketing, you probably are an expert in that. But I think in today's day and age, and I think I was listening to someone. I think Naval Ravikant or someone. He's an uh, angel investor, right? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm I sure you come across Twitter, him. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, um, and so he was saying. I think this is interesting that if you uh, like, because you have financial background now, um, not background knowledge, you have comedy knowledge, you have production knowledge, you have social media knowledge, you have um, video editing and video shooting knowledge. What I think happens, I have ma- uh, marriage, marriage knowledge. Yeah, I do two years in. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> three years in now. Three years. Three yeah. years. Now I think yeah. what's interesting is that you bring in perspective to video editing. That a video editor might not, uh, an, an, uh, sorry, a dedicated video editor might not have, because you might have certain learnings or certain information or certain experiences from your other fields that this person doesn't, just from the sheer fact that they haven't ventured down that path, which I think is quite cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, have you ever? I mean, do you feel 
uh, that you've applied stuff from other things, like say from your content creation on as a YouTuber in your financial uh, experience uh, or a hundred percent, a hundred percent. I'll give you a very, a very clear example. Okay. A lot of people <clears throat> go on Twitter, you know, you're some like guy, a VP at Infosys, you're making four lakhs a month. Mm -hmm. Obviously India in Bangalore, maybe you can't even spend four lakhs a month. So you're trying to play the markets, right? Yeah. Now you do what a lot of people do is you go on Twitter and you see some guys saying buy Wipro or sell TCS or yeah. sell Tata, buy Mahindra. And you just think, wow, this is amazing. This guy you know, has 500,000 followers, he's on CNBC, he's talking to Arnab, I'm going to trust him and I'm going to put all my money into what he says, right? Yeah. Now, from your, from your question, I'd look at the same thing and I'm looking at these guys and I'm like, no, the guy he's following is looking like he's bought his followers. Mm. And the guy he's following looks like his video was edited incorrectly on CNBC where they yeah. only did the snippet or they, they, they added that laughter track or, or that they took it out of context. Track. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So all those things from my experience in content, media, comedy, whatever. Now I'm applying there. And what I've done is just like you may see a comedian with a million followers and you may see another comedian with a hundred followers. But, you know, because of your experience, the guy with a hundred followers is way funnier. Yeah. Right. You just know he's way you can spot that innate talent. Right. Yeah. So when I play the markets now, I look on Twitter, not for the popular guys. I see who are like the hidden gems that nobody's paying attention to. Yeah. And I follow and I follow their trades based on what I've learned from my other experience. You know, that's no, so and, true. It's so uh, important, man, because nowadays, as you said, everyone. Um, and I think that's a lesson you learned in comedy. Right. Uh, is just because someone's popular doesn't mean they're good. Uh, because yeah. there's a lot of elements that made them popular, which are not necessarily elements that are, um, you know, contributing to their art, you know, which is could be luck. It could be right time at the right place. It could be the right um, contacts. It could be the right uh, blend of looks and, you know, consumability. Of course. Yeah. Dude. And, and, and to your point, you know, <clears throat> just to kind of wrap up that thought, like and we were talking about. Our, our good friend who, you know, you probably knew him better than me, Atherton, Jonathan Atherton, who passed away, you know, rest in yeah. peace. Like, Seriously, he yeah. was, yeah, like some people, he's probably not a household name, but not only was he so nice and so hilarious, he was yeah. accessible to help yeah. make everybody else better. And so, Dude. like these guys on Twitter I talk to, they don't have a lot of followers, but guess what? Yeah. They respond to me and they mentor me and I know they're better. So it's a win-win yeah. situation. Dude, you, you know, know, Jonathan... Um, you know, we have a lot of stories about Jonathan, but no... Yeah, no. Uh, by the way, Jonathan, you want to explain who John was real quick? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if anyone worth their, worth their salt in comedy um, will have heard of Jonathan because he's, of course, yeah. not a big American comedy household name. But, yeah. man, that guy did comedy for, I don't know, 30 years? In He spoke 10, yeah. 9, 10 languages. He Insane. was a hoot to hang out with. I mean, I, I this is not his eulogy, but I, I hope I'm doing justice to even, you know... Um, ten percent of who he was, uh, he was he was mental. He was I, 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 he was he was fucking crazy. <laughs> he was, yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. What you what you could take away from spending time with a person like that, or giving him a platform of five hundred people 
in an audience, he yeah. would destroy way harder than anybody who may have yeah. earned, you know brought that audience. I mean, I told you about uh, that show, he, right? Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to retell the story to people without naming the other comedians because why get why go down that rabbit hole, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Because these guys came with their tech writers, their managers, saying he, we need this kind of room, this kind of flight, this kind of thing, and they all like properly. Well. They show up five minutes before the show because they're doing some other work in the room, editing something else. Jonathan's yeah. come for the show. He's <laughs> he's drank through all the way from Australia. He's come on Air Asia or something he's like fucking shit airlines my how does it get off the fucking ground and he's drinking <laughs> through the day he meets me at lunch I started drinking not too much just a couple of big I can't drink like that guy dude. I and imagine he, he's like an Australian guy probably would have landed in in Chennai, like a 24 hour like, flight dude like it is ridiculous and he would, so. and he would have told the cabbie like Anna wine shop yeah <laughs> like yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he spoke Tamil he's like wanna come I wear <laughs> I mean he did some really yeah. yaki jokes but he's just so and then he comes and drinks with me at lunch he's making some kick ass blind jokes and anyone has come up with good blind jokes I think it's Jonathan uh, he, yeah. I mean you know honestly he was fun and then the night everyone's like worried like oh will Jonathan be okay dude like he's been drinking the whole time so then these polished guys are like oh my god you know I, I'll, t- I'll take selfies after the show kind of fuckers come oh, and God. then I go up yeah. uh, I was hosting the evening I had a good show fortunately uh, not because yeah. of anything I just had a good show um, and then the others come up and well, a couple of guys do well and then Jonathan comes and he's literally weaving <laughs> towards the stage because he's drunk and he gets yeah. on he's like hey fuck it give it up for Stanley Brown my fucking blind bastard fucking makes me laugh hey. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like thanks John and he just yeah. nails it dude sticks to yeah. time here's the best part everyone else went over including yeah. me he stuck he was supposed to do 20 minutes bang on 20 minutes 20 minutes people rolling off the fucking seats and it was so memorable and then he just goes back he's like that's a fucking good show where's my drink <laughs> he, he didn't take comedy too seriously of course he had some bitterness yeah. to people who fucked him over he had he got yeah. screwed in business dealings and for people listening he was not a good businessman he he was a great comedian and not a comedian's comedian or all that bullshit he was just a funny fucker yeah. who had and a he great was a time. gem to the Two comedians, right? Two comedians. He was helpful. People would stay in yeah. his house, and uh, when he would get into fights with his partner, they would they would be kicked out of the house. But that came. <laughs> that was a drama that came along um, with knowing Jonathan, right? He, and he had a lovely partner. Yeah. Um, he was in Malaysia. I went with him once in KL in his car, which is probably a bad thing for a drunk Australian and a blind guy to do. And <laughs> uh, we went around terrorizing the streets of KL. And but you know um, the reason I mentioned the KL story is because I had this bit in my special, right? I'm sure you've heard of that wheelchair story where I I'm basically uh, competing with a fellow wheelchair passenger in the airport. I'm going through it, and at the end I say, "Hey, I look at this guy and I get up and I walk away," which is the punchline. Uh, and Jonathan's like, "Ah, it's a good, that's a, that's a really good joke." But how about I just say, "And I walked into a fucking wall." That would make it even funnier because it, it takes the attention away from you being the asshole and makes you the yeah. nice guy again. And I'm like, "Are you serious?" And that became the fucking punchline that worked. And that's yeah. how. And, and, and that's that how became people, that became your closer for a long. That was time, my closer. Right? That was um, not the closer, which of course is a great. Uh, I haven't yeah. seen it, <laughs> but I mean, that's yeah. that's. I didn't that's know what, he gave you that line. Wow, he did give me that line. And yeah. that's my salute to him because I mean, people think that he's just a drunk guy sitting in the corner. But man, he was listening. He was in the. He was. He he had a comedy mind. He he could zone in. He could make any room laugh. But of course, what happened before and after, <laughs> you can't guarantee. He might like <laughs> throw a chair at you. But man, apparently he's done so much crazy stuff, and I'm sure other people would be in a better place to sort of you know recap his life. Like he he went and yeah. spent time as a journalist or in some capacity with the mujahideen in Afghanistan. For years. Oh my goodness! Yeah. So I mean, he was not a popular comedian. He was not managed by 
whoever sony entertainment or caa yeah. he he doesn't have specials on netflix he i don't think he has specials out there because he, he always end up getting yeah, annoyed with managers dude, saying you bastards are trying to take my fucking money fuck you and he would literally yeah. he would and no one wanted to manage him because he was so volatile but he yeah. he made people laugh for 40 plus years he and, and no um, comedian wanted to follow him right no comedian, no comedian wanted comedian to follow wanted, him uh, comedians yeah. who met him either you know yeah. would you know would be in awe of him or would come out with or would come away with some comedy knowledge which they didn't have or with a punchline in my case and a great story or a great bunch of stories yeah. to tell um and just what a guy dude like is he going to be uh, archived as like like the likes of you know Dave Chappelle no but man the people who knew him people who watched him the people who call him call him a friend um i i don't know maybe he was not the best of friends but he was just a memorable legend right Yeah. No, I so, yeah. dude, I had a handful of conversations with him and I told you before we started recording. I was just like one of these nights when I, I saw all the stuff on Facebook, I was just standing up like, "Huh, I'm just like thinking about it, you know? Like yeah. I couldn't sleep or whatever." And I was like, <coughs> "I wish I got to hang out with that guy more because yeah. hearing all these stories kind of reignites your those early days of you really just wanted to live and breathe everything comedy and try to be the best you can be, you know?" Dude, I'll be very honest with you. Like, you know, I I went to the Fringe, right? And when I met uh, CJ, he took me to this place called the Abattoir. It was a room where um, more of the established acts would hang out after the Fringe. The day was over, right? Sure. And there, I met Jimmy Carr. Uh, I mean, bum, I didn't meet him, but he was there. I met um, the the guy Colin Mockery. I met uh, Dara O'Brien. Uh, so all these big British comedian. Uh, I mean, of course, uh, uh, Colin Mockery is American, but and, and then I, I saw this guy. What's his name? Daniel Schloss. Then I saw all these guys, and then I saw this guy called Phil Nickel, right? And I'm sure you've heard of Phil yeah. Nickel. Phil, Phil Nickel used to play the Comedy Store. Came to Bombay, yeah. uh, met him there, and then when the Comedy Store was doing traveling shows, uh, they brought Phil Nickel to Bangalore B flat. and then i did the show with him and then we got hammered after i don't know why hammering is a very common theme <laughs> at a friend's house and i'll give you an example of why i'm saying this right because this is the same thing with jonathan doesn't correspond he never corresponded very friendly it didn't sound friendly on instagram on on facebook messenger or email he was just like yeah cheers and so you think he's brusque uh, but when you meet like jonathan when you met him man the warmth whether it was a joke whether it was pulling your leg and with the familiarity that he sort of brought in and made you feel like appear not like a co- comedian who's like got 30 years less experience who's not done as many shows who doesn't have as much money what a money was never a question it was you're a comedian yeah. i'm a comedian let's have a fucking blast now the reason i bring bring up phil nickel uh, phil nickel is because i walk into this room and i'm just in awe like as uh, navi said a, like a kid in a candy shop i'm like i, I know that guy's yeah. joke i heard his bit he's famous he's on bbc yeah. whatever he's on like uh, the live at the apollo but then all those things yeah, yeah. and then someone's like Uh, hey Phil, this is Sandeep, and that guy turns around. He's like, oh! and he just comes. He lifts me up. He hugs me. He's like, man, where are the knife? We need to get fucked. I need to buy you a drink. And I was like, that kind of warmth, no yeah. kind of being in awe of anyone. Like I, I, I would remember that guy any day over shaking hands with the Jimmy Carr. You know, of course. And Which you know, amazing. for him, maybe he doesn't even remember that moment. Or yeah. even if he does, he probably didn't think it was anything. But for you, it sticks with you. Yeah. So to extend those little bits of yourself to people you're not going to see often and leave them with like a memory for a lifetime, I think yeah. that's something we can all do. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think I guarantee one thing, just to, on the note of Jonathan, is that anyone and everyone who's met him, whether it's an audience, 
um, whether it's a police officer, <laughs> whether it's an airline attendant, anyone or his friends and family, everyone will have a great story. Whether it's good or bad, I oh, don't know. Yeah. It's a story which is memorable. Dude. That's one thing. And what a way to have lived, right? That anyone who's met you has a story which they can recount to someone else. And people be like, are you fucking crazy? I wish I met that guy, you know? You know, I remember his joke because I remember it like, you know, you see white people come to India, it's just going to be cows, cows, cows. But then he was like, you know, you Indians, like you all, you all don't get along. You know, it's like, you know, the Tamilians don't get along with the Connecticut's. The Tamilians don't, the Connecticut's don't like the Malayalis. And first of all, the audience is like, oh my God, this guy knows yeah. all of our regions, which Sub-groups. is already, yeah. which is already like an applause break for a white guy, right? Yeah. And he's showing that he cares about the place he's in. And then he's like, then the Punjabis fight with the, you know, the Muslims and this, that, that, that. He's like, and then you guys play Pakistan and it's like, hum sub AK. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So it was like, I remember he did that in the whole crowd, just like cracking up. Like My first bit of up. his I watched was on YouTube. He goes, uh, the joke, I, I mean, I, I don't want to give away his jokes, but of course, I, I, I don't think he would care. Um, is that, hey, ladies, uh, they, say, they say that semen is really good for your skin, but I don't think so. Does this hand look any younger than this hand? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, that guy was funny. I man. mean, he, of course, so, man, you know, it, it was he political? Nothing, he was just, oh, fuck, he was... Um, you know, man, gonna miss. I, I don't know. I haven't seen him in four or five years, but gonna miss the miss knowing that he's around somewhere, getting up to trouble, getting up to mischief. Hey, you know, I think he's a great way to kind of conclude a lot of the stuff we've talked about, which yeah. is like you know, doing what you want to do for the sake of doing it versus trying to you know please everybody else or you know feed your wallet versus your soul. I think somebody Rishi or somebody on on, on uh, Facebook shared something like that. But yeah. I think he's a good example of kind of the stuff that we've talked about. Might not be the easiest to live with, but he's uh, absolutely. Um, I mean, yeah, following yeah. your dreams also is super hard to live. Yeah, with. <laughs> man, he yeah. As, as you, yeah. Said, it's it's not, it's not at all easy because it's not stable. Uh, it's not anything yeah. you've been taught that is a good way to practice life, which is have a home, have a sense of security, have a safety. Nah, I don't think he did any of that, dude. Um, yeah. Isn't that weird, though? Like all the stability stuff that like in India and our culture, we, we kind of harp on. Like we harp on the stability and do the, the, the path trodden of marriage by a certain age, job, this type of field, yeah. medicine, engineering. But then all of our heroes are the guys who don't do that stuff. Yeah. You know, it's like, and that's because we hear about it in, in, uh, we hear about their wildness in retrospect, right? After they've made it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. We don't hear about the stuff. We're not with them at that time because if maybe we were with them at that time, like just with you, what you're doing now and what you did went going in different directions. I was just like, "Mm," I wasn't concerned like, oh my God, what is Sanjay doing? But like, what's, what's happening, right? Is is, is he not focusing on stand up anymore? And, but yeah, I mean, there's a plan and I'm sure if, if anyone knows the plan, you, the person who's doing it, should know the plan, you know? Yeah, there's always plan B, you know, not just in Bangalore. Like, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss those wings. Yeah, those are good. Oh, man, I haven't eaten at uh, a, a pub in a long time. I haven't gone to a bar in a long time. Really? Are you drinking still or are you oh, just course, quit yeah. smoking? No, no, I'm drinking. <laughs> I'm drinking. I quit smoking. What do you smoke? How do you quit smoking while still drinking? Like, I would be so tempted. Yeah, man, it's tough. Uh, it is. It is sometimes, especially when you're sitting with a smoker. Uh, but yeah. it's it's a lot better now. It's getting on a year. I'm going to be completing a year 
but yeah. I didn't post it like someone every day on Instagram. Three more <laughs> days of not smoking, guys. <laughs> you know, you know, it's so funny. This is a, a random tangent. Like, I took my wife to when we got here uh, to Thailand for our honeymoon. <laughs> oh, that's a Praveen Kumar joke. That's yeah, a Praveen Kumar. I, joke. I took her when we landed in Tennessee. Like, she had immediately she had to get a drug test for her job that was starting two weeks later. Right. 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 And and we book our first Uber in Tennessee. And my wife is super like, you know, like, obviously, she has nothing to worry about for her drug test. But she's just like, okay, I got to get this done. I want it to be all official. You know, I drank three cups of water, whatever, whatever. The Uber comes, I open the door and it's just like weed smoke right in her <laughs> face. <laughs> I, like, Come on, on the M. Bro, it was the biggest hot box. And I was like, dude, in Tennessee, do the Ubers? Because you would get fired like in India for that, right? Dude, um, in India, it's such like, a stupid, hey. we're such a stupid fucking uh, bunch of hypocrites when it comes to it, dude. We're like, oh, ganja. No, I'm, so saying fi- I, no, I'm saying the Uber would get fired if it just smelled like the driver would probably get in trouble. If the of course, right I mean, if, with anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we have, it's it's so strange that, uh, you know, it, we, 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 we we kind of idolize certain things and we demonize certain things and we idolize things which are not necessarily good for you either uh, like values or principles or, or things that are um, I mean look at this man like you know people uh, when, when Indians travel abroad we aren't you know the most well-liked group of people because i mean you know you've seen videos of people stealing stuff and not even like soap sachets it's like the, the whole basin <laughs> like, the, like <laughs> you saw that video of those that family in bali like they literally took stuff from like fixtures they took yeah, lamps yeah. crazy right so yeah, i've seen that and i've seen the chinese buffet eaters who eat all the stuff in the buffet yeah I, exactly right so that is not the way to do things and like my cousin um she could come for a show of mine which was at a mall so it was obviously um open to families so it was a clean content sort of gig uh and then she comes up later about a month or two later at a wedding she's like i saw your show i brought my kids it was amazing mm-hmm. that your content was clean and remember sandeep you should always be clean because india is a family friendly country i'm like fuck what the fuck so <laughs> for her um you know uh, watching you know like idolizing a salman khan or whoever who's got a do- bit of a dodgy track record is fine as long as his movies are family friendly but if someone is actually you know coming up with cures with medical marijuana smoking weed she's, they're like oh my god he's he's a drug addict you know it's there's no black yeah. and white i mean there's no gray it's only black and white in their heads and i think a lot of indians think in that way yeah, and you know, a lot of people are just misinformed by, you know, yeah. what they see versus who say the message versus the messenger. True. Um, so, I don't know. But man, dude, uh, since we're the, on that point of finance, right, there's this guy who keeps popping up on the YouTube ads when I'm watching all my golf videos. Uh, I, I, his name is Amit Parekh. You sh- I, oh, I, no. And he's like, is he bad? He's like, you. Yes, you. Are you a business owner or an entrepreneur? Because oh, if you are God. sitting at home and not making money when you're sleeping, you are not an entrepreneur. You are self-employed. Yeah. <laughs> and he just oh, adds a bunch yeah. of videos. I have 35 medals for coach of the year. Oh, God. It, yeah. is, it is like, you know, my character Sandish. It's like Sandish yeah. meets Varun's character Vicky. <laughs> and they yeah. are merged into this horrific demon of financial oh. advisory. And yeah. just for the sake, he's so horrific. I want to get him on the podcast. <laughs> are you making money Dude. on this podcast? <laughs> Dude, you should. And you should do it as a prank. And then he won't realize. <laughs> like, Dude, I, I, I think, yeah. But the problem is I'll have to then sit with him for an hour. <laughs> and not. Yeah. But and, no, but there's some. 
some of these guys are so delusional though because they look at all these is it ty humphreys or some other self-motivational guy um don't dan Locke or a lot ty of them humphreys like, is that new newcastle comedian ty humphreys is ty hum t like thailand yeah i think there's a ty humphreys or a ty something who mm. basically does one oh, of those selfie videos yeah something but he does like a selfie video talking about being an entrepreneur but he has like nine lamborghinis behind him so it's very subtle uh, that he's doing that right, right? right, right. and then it's to say like are you an entrepreneur do you hustle blah 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 yada yada so i think Dude, this I guy feel is taking a lot of this shit right now and i i, I mean if people are well informed i don't uh want to sort of diss on the idea but i don't i don't know anything this is a disclaimer anything at all about cryptocurrency i know how bitcoins work i know about the blockchain that's about it but when you hear people like, oh, man, I just spent the whole day mining for Bitcoin or I'm just here doing something crypto. I, I mean, good. But I'm saying for everyone who's legit and knows about it, there are so many just because who's that guy who uh, basically um, was like the god of Instagram being the ex-Marine who had a massive uh, sort of following on yachts with hot girls. That, was, is it uh, Dan, Dan, uh, Dan, Dan Bilzerian? Dan. Something like that? Yeah. Who's that guy whose name I pronounce perfectly? Yeah. Is that the guy? Is it that? Okay. No, but I was scared. I get the last. Not scared. But see, again, I'm, why, why the yeah. fuck am I scared? But, dude, turns out he's an entire scam, right? He, yeah, apparently he's, it's kind of like the comedy club owner we were talking about. He's heavily <laughs> in debt. He, he yeah. hadn't paid his $40,000 a month rent on his mansion. And the mansion was rented. Ouch. Not bought. Yeah. Apparently that's all there. Yeah. There's a dude, good guy on YouTube. Ra- huh? There's a guy on YouTube called Coffeezilla. You should check him out. Okay. He exposes all these guys in very fun format. He's really good. Nice. Now, I, I really yeah. like, you know, I've been watching nothing but, um, can you believe I haven't watched stand-up in a long time? Like, but when I do want to go back to good stand-up, I always go back to Louis C.K. And uh, um, I mean, I think he, I think he had, his recent special, I think he addressed the, 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 the fact about his masturbating thing. right? Yeah, he said, he said... It was done. It was done. It was hard to do, but he did it. Yeah, and he did it because, man, I think he and Bilbo are still funny for me. I don't know about others. Um, of course, I think some of the young, the new guys, um, Sam Morrell, I think has got something out there. I I don't really know, but I don't know. Joe Rogan, I haven't really seen. I don't think he's put out anything. But these two guys still Joe- nail it. Yeah, I, I mean, you. I enjoy the guys like Sam Morel, Mark Norman, and these ones who are kind of Mark. You know, Mark Norman for me sounds like Naveen Richard a lot. I don't know if it's that's the case for does you. Does he really? Yeah, he's got um, that. Yeah. Hey, a little bit. I don't know if it's the style of kind voice. Kind of. I feel like Naveen is more characters and expressions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not not facial. Norman is very yeah succinct writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not saying about any of that. I'm just saying like when you listen, uh, there's something in the voice that. I'm like, is that, um, yeah. But no, these guys deliver, <laughs> man. They always deliver the the the, the likes of, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Even like with comedy, there's so much shit going on with what you can say, what you can't say. Yeah, there's like, I mean, I don't, again, because I've not been saying anything recently. Same but here. I've been watching, I mean, I've been out yeah. of comedy for, I mean, not out of it, but just been doing. Oh, yeah, I got into trouble at an HP event because uh, apparently I did a oh, joke rec- about, yeah, it was a World Disability Day. And they didn't have a uh-huh. joke. They didn't have any issue with my jokes about disability, about my disability. None of that. That that an issue that I uh, called Rahul Gandhi a retard. <laughs> They're oh, like, why do you? No. Have to, and not and not because I called him a retard. Uh, it's because why You're do you? Have to, that he, no, no. Why are you bringing politics into a show? <laughs> I'm like, what? Oh, no. Yeah. So this is anyway. Jesus. Some person wrote to the management, and then the MC is like, can you t- uh, t- type out a WhatsApp apology? I said, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't apologize for my jokes. And he's like, the yeah. payment will take another two weeks. I'm like, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I didn't apologize, but uh, it's a joke. 
but yeah dude it's crazy i i think it's just too much i feel sometimes there's too much noise um in, in in on the internet everywhere everyone's just trying to shout too loud everyone is trying to get attention from, yeah. and people don't realize just how crowded it's gotten and how much our own attention has got hijacked from us right yeah so like you said people don't know the different you know that there's a term signal to noise ratio right yeah so how much of this is just mindless banter and how much of this is actually useful so if every morning you know you like i think we come to realize that every time you turn on times now or one of these news channels now after finally 20 years of them shouting i think five years ago everyone's kind of read this all the same shit over and over again yeah. right so so they've got to reinvent themselves i think with social media and twitter like after 85 like dude in america for example there's always always these horrible shootings of minorities and stuff yeah but then the more that the more and more and more that you keep seeing the less impactful they become unless this takes you become more numb higher. to it yeah 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 and so you know uh, and and you can make these sorts of examples with anything you know tr- like we were talking about only fans like yeah. you know t- Five years ago, seeing pretty girls in bikinis for free on Instagram was cool. Now, literally everybody does it that you don't even care anymore, right? And it's Where, so strange, man. Like earlier, nudity was a big thing, right? Like we get a little bit of a, uh, like a nitpick and we're like, oh my God, I got a boner. <laughs> and now yeah. you just, I mean, dude, like, and it's not like it's some exotic porn star, like normal, not everyday girls and guys are putting up nudes on the internet. Dude, yeah, and it's like I'm gonna show less. I'm gonna show less. I'm gonna show less. Okay, I'm naked. Okay, I'm naked. Okay, I'm doing a sexual act. It's gonna come full circle to like, okay, I'm putting on more clothes. I'm putting Correct. on more clothes. Okay, I'm wearing a jacket. I have a snow jacket. I'm wearing a it's monster. Crazy. It's crazy. A striptease <laughs> yeah. now is the opposite. Like looking hot is like putting back on the clothes, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, seriously, that's what, dude. <laughs> Maybe those like softcore guys were pioneers because they saw this four years ago. Yeah. That softcore without the without I think the Amir, is- I think Amir Piran, he had that bit, right? I went to a strip club in Pakistan, and she's. When the act started, she started wearing her clothes. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> he has some gems, dude. Yeah. He's got some real good yeah, gems. He doesn't get enough credit. Yeah. He doesn't. But He's again, got he'll, some gems. he'll learn how to play it. Yeah. Yeah. That's no. Funny. You know, I was listening to someone talking. I think it was the Lex Friedman podcast. But no, was it that? Some one of those things where they're talking about how America is so, especially America, is so is so unprepared for the yeah. cyber attack that China and Russia sort of are building up with the arsenal of their cyber cells. Like, uh, like sowing a discord, uh, sort of discord amongst the po- population, creating this noise. Mm-hmm. So who knows whether, uh, for every one person who's a real human being putting up a video of him or herself on Instagram, there may be thousand other bots creating these videos and accounts and these followers. So for every hum- for all the noise that's being done by humans, it's probably millions more decibels of noise being created by these bots as well, right? Bro, why do you think I think so many countries wanted to ban TikTok because Mm. they kind of realized the Chinese have basically learned how to make any country's audience really stupid, you know, Mm. which is basically watching mindless. I think was this a comedy special Aziz or somebody who talked about something like this? But but basically all of social media, possibly he has maybe I'm pulling this from him. Maybe he talked about it or somebody else did, but or Gary Vee or someone. But it was like. That was the, I think, with the TikTok getting banned stuff, I think countries saw the power China was getting mm. and the mindless crap people were doing on TikTok. And there was probably some bit of manipulation or data gathering there that was cause for concern for national security. Mm. You know what's But yeah, stri- I think... Yeah, go on. Go on, sorry. No, go on, go on. No, I was just saying, I think... <laughs> 
I think there's very few people who really like, you know, we're talking about looking at the trees versus the forest. Yeah. There are some insanely smart people who know how social media, crypto, AI, you know, entertainment, all this shit, what it's going to look like in five, 10 years. And it's going to look like nothing. None of the experts predict. But mm. whoever those guys are, are the like five people who probably control the world. You know? Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's just what I was trying to say is that it's so interesting that uh, in a time when there was just no internet and no shows which were online, uh, you would go for a live gig and the joke would be there and you'd hear it, you'd laugh and you'd enjoy it. And I, I love the idea of the live gig, right? And now um, the other extreme now is everything's online. But when you had live gigs, there were stories of how, you know, the rumors, I wouldn't say stories, of how comedian would go, like say some, some people said Robin Williams would go, uh, just or Jimmy Carr would go and just take the joke and say it's mine. I'm more famous. I'm going to use it, right? Yeah. And now with the other extreme of the internet, uh, everything's out there. I mean, at least whatever you want to put out is out there. Like uh, <coughs> you just said, I don't know if it was an Aziz special or Gary V. Like while you're using their idea in the sense you're not you're not using it, but you're paraphrasing or quoting them, it's fine because you, you can immediately go and check it. And like when I just said Amir's bit. It's not like I'm using it, but it's not, it's not plagiarism, right? It's, in fact, giving discoverability. So it's so weird how when some people say only live is good or only the internet is good because they both have their benefits. And I think that's what's um, important to understand in the larger scheme of this conversation as well. With the noise, with the lack of noise, with hacking, everything will be done. And I think there will be For a sure. balance that needs to be found from you as an individual because you can be a comedian who wants to protect his or her material. At the same time, you want to be popular. So there's a way of doing it. And I think you've told me this before. Man, these are all tools. Don't get bogged down by it and don't get overwhelmed by it and don't use it in the wrong way because any tool misused is a tool which is not going to work for you. Yeah, man. And like, why do kids still go to school when they can watch YouTube videos to learn the same thing? Yeah. It's just a different experience. It's a different way of learning. It's more immersive yeah. and it does something different. And, you know, we as human beings, we don't. Sure, we are staring at a screen all day, but we're not meant to. And we still need that bit of touch, feel, taste, smell, etc. You know? Yeah, I just, I just I just read yesterday that the metaverse or the meta, uh, they oh, have. Dude, uh, yeah. yeah, they have apparently with their uh, virtual uh, avatars. There uh-huh. is a minimum distance they're gonna keep between them, so you can't touch. Shut up! Yeah. Oh bullshit! I mean, I saw Are it in the Guardian. I saw it in the Guardian. I can't. I don't think. It's, I didn't read there's, the article. It's like there's like virtual Me Too sexual harassment. Yeah, already. Stuff. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> dude, I'm surprised that guy it? hasn't got called out for something, man. Zuckerberg. Yeah, he's just. I just find him creepy, dude. Bro, he's married. He's like happily married with like kids and a dog or 18 bodyguards or something. I mean, like, so was Bill Gates, dude. Like, <laughs> No, but but these guys will do some like Epstein stuff. Like they don't just... That's what I mean. That's what or, I know. I'm not talking yeah. about like some silly, um, you know, statement he passed at the cafe. Um, I'm talking about like the Epstein shit was... Oof, dude, that dude, was... It, yeah. That was... Yeah. And, and we'll never know because apparently a lot of the, the big, big people in that who also have hooks into like big tech and stuff, you know? I mean, that's what people like, like, oh, how can Prince Andrew... I mean, dude, I think Prince Andrew is the lowest in that pecking order because he's just a royal. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, there are people with serious money who own the world going, no, 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 no. <laughs> no <laughs> I mean, the no, fact no, that no, they no, killed no, him yeah. in his cell, that's pretty cool. And everyone's like, it's suicide. Yeah, come on, you're, you're dude, living a life. And his wife's his wife's trial got like zero media exposure. Like oh, this, zero. Is she his wife? The, you're talking about Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Yeah, her trial I, just finished. Yeah, is she convicted? Oh, what's, like, that, what's going on? 
I, I think she was guilty. And I saw these memes. Like, it said, like, even though she's still alive, it said, rest in peace, like, 1972 to next week or something. Oh, because she's like, going to be killed in jail. <laughs> yeah. Like, they, we're, we're laughing at a hypothetical, not, like, at her demise. You know? right, right, of like, course, was, of course. Was, because they think that, yeah. they know that these guys are going to do knock her off. Yeah. yeah Shit, dude. So, it was crazy. crazy yeah. But, Mr. Manaktala, I think on that note, we should call it a day, call it a night where you are. But uh, man, yeah. I, I would think we should uh, visit each other. I'll come to Memphis. You can show me where Elvis was. Uh, no, this was great, man. I had a I had a wonderful time. Thank you for breaking me out of my shell and bringing me yeah. in front of your audience. And uh, I'm I'm yeah. happy, man. Let's let's talk more. I'll see you more. And for sure, you know, for for anybody who's still listening, I think uh, you know I'm happy to any follow up or any questions anybody has. Just you know. Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, Sanjay needs no introduction because if you definitely been in India and heard of stand-up comedians, you've heard of Sanjay. Um, of course, I put all the links to his uh, inst- I mean, uh, social media handles. But uh, thanks so much, my friend, and appreciate it as always. And it's always a pleasure chatting. And give my love to your wife and uh, have a good one. I will, man. I uh, give my love to your wife as well. And I really appreciate <clears throat> all you've done for me over the years. Uh, hey, come a on. Great friend as well. Yeah, I know. No, no, don't talk little, about those hand jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> little, little, little Sanjay recap. Senti. You know, oh, God, you did that. Yeah. Wait, gee, shitty. Oh, God, man. You, yeah. Oh, God, dude. <laughs> I don't know that how that's going to come back to help you. <laughs> but <laughs> Dude, he's, he's still peddling his, his motivational snake. Oh, dude. Yeah, he's... I mean, is he... Oh, anyway, let's not go into that. But is he uh, I mean, our age or younger? Own, I think yeah. he's pretty young, right? He's younger than us. and But, you know, it's like when I was learning my digital marketing stuff, I kind of yeah. went back and like reverse engineered. Like huh. this guy did some A, A plus level digital marketing back in the mm. day when the Facebook algorithm was very like you sign up for his course. Then you get like 19 emails reminding you to sign up for his next course. Like that's sort what, of ah, you know, sort of like even like, Art of Living does that. I, I the, 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 the meditation programs, they're so good yeah. at. Dude, just peppering you with information, with reminders, with upcoming meetings, yeah. next level programs. It's crazy. So, yeah, it's called, a, in marketing, it's called a drip campaign, like drip, like water dripping down a yeah. faucet. Okay. So, it's like what, one drip. Hey, it's been two weeks. Two drips. Hey, it's been four weeks. Right. Hey, we noticed you haven't logged on in like 18 weeks. So that's It's a drip, drip, drip. Mine know? is a torrent campaign because it's, I just put out all videos in one day. <laughs> just forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, man. But... No, man, this was a blast. I had a really good time. And, yeah, man, uh, same here. It was, it was really fun talking. It's been such a long time yeah. and uh, good. I'm glad that you're coming back to uh, the creative space and uh, let's do something together soon. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Sure. Thanks a lot. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you like what you heard, please do check out the other episodes on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. And I would much appreciate it if you could like the video, share it with people who you think might enjoy it. And of course, do subscribe to the channel because it will help me and the podcast grow and reach more people just like you. So thanks again. Appreciate it.